Welcome to the Michigan Minds Podcast, a quick and informative analysis of today's top issues from University of Michigan faculty. This episode of Michigan Minds is part of a special series from University of Michigan Public Engagement and Impact in collaboration with the Office of the Vice President for Research to discuss firearm injury prevention. I am happy to be joined today by U of M faculty member, Dr. Patrick Carter. Dr. Carter, can you please introduce yourself to our listeners and share a little bit about your role at the University of Michigan? Sure, thanks for having me today. So uh, I'm an emergency physician by training. So I both work clinically in the emergency department and then I also have an appointment both in the medical school and then as well in the school of public health, which is part of my research side of my job. So I also conduct research looking at ways of preventing injury related outcomes. Um, In addition to that, I direct our injury prevention center here at the University of Michigan, which is funded by the CDC. Thanks. Can you share a a little bit more about the Injury Prevention Center and some of the work that's conducted there? Sure. Yeah. So the Injury Prevention Center, as I uh, said, is funded by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. We're one of nine funded centers throughout the uh, United States. We're the only one that's in the Great Lakes region, and we focus broadly on injury prevention across a number of um, different areas. So uh, our focus areas include uh, opioids and overdose prevention, suicide prevention, youth violence, concussion, sports-related concussion prevention, motor vehicle crash injury prevention, older adult falls, and some emerging areas around uh, adverse childhood events and, uh, and some other emerging injury areas, especially in the global context. And so as it relates to this podcast, uh, you know, firearm injury prevention crosses and spans a number of those areas, including suicide and youth violence, um, specifically in terms of firearm-related suicide, which is a significant problem amongst adolescents and older adults uh, in the United States, as well as um, firearm-related injuries among uh, adolescents and young adult populations. Uh, in fact, uh, among that group specifically, firearm violence is the leading cause of death and uh, has been the leading cause of death for uh, Black youth in this country for over a generation. Can you elaborate on some of the areas that your research focuses specifically? Yeah, thank you. Um, So my work uh, focuses specifically on how we can use the emergency department setting as a a venue really for intervening and decreasing injury-related outcomes. So um, we look at primary prevention and secondary prevention interventions that we can do with youth who come into the emergency department who we know are at elevated risk for violence outcomes and how we can intervene with them in the emergency department setting and as well as following their emergency department visit to decrease some of these negative outcomes and, uh, and decrease their risk for injury. So a lot of our work focuses around identifying youth who may be, for example, carrying firearms and using firearms in risky ways uh, and trying to um, decrease those risks through behavioral interventions. We also have another study that's looking at youth who come into the emergency department for a violent injury. That's a population that we know is at particularly high risk for having a repeat violent injury over the next several years. And so we are working on testing an intervention to look at ways that we can decrease that risk for returning to the emergency department for what often is a more severe injury uh, outcome. 
And what led you to the field of firearm injury prevention in your work? Yeah, well, as I said earlier, so I work uh, in the emergency department as an emergency physician. And, you know, obviously in that role, I see a number of um, youth and uh, young adults um, who are otherwise healthy who end up in the emergency department with an injury uh, specifically related to firearms. And, you know, uh, as I looked upon that, I sort of one of the things I, I came to realize is that by the time they end up in the emergency department trauma bay, we've really you know failed um, sort of as a, at a societal level in terms of um, what we can do to prevent that from occurring. And so, uh, so my work really tries to focus on what we can do upstream of that event, where now all we can do at that point is react to what has happened and try and provide the best medical care possible. I would rather try and focus further upstream and prevent them from ending up in the trauma bay in the first place. And so, so that's really what kind of led me to that work. Can you explain the Interact project to prevent risky firearm behaviors that you lead that has received funding from the CDC? Yeah, so I already started to talk a little bit about this earlier, but uh, the Interact project is really focused on identifying um, youth and young adults who come into the emergency department and report that they carry firearms on a regular basis and is intervening with them during that ED visit, um, as well as subsequent to their ED visit um, with a behavioral intervention to try and decrease um, the risky ways that they may be using firearms. So, if, for example, um, you know, carrying firearms while they're intoxicated or using other substances, as well as addressing the, the need that they feel to carry a firearm or why they might be carrying a firearm in the first place uh, and trying to address some of those issues up front to decrease the likelihood that they'll carry a firearm in, in a risky manner um, or that increases their risk for using it if they get into an altercation. Um, and so it really focuses around supporting both their feelings of, of not feeling safe in their environment, as well as addressing underlying issues around substance use and mental health issues, um, as well as uh, trying to decrease risky behaviors that may be elevating their risk for firearm injury. And we do that through both the behavioral intervention in the emergency department, and then as well as subsequent to their emergency department visit. Um, with several sessions that they receive afterwards. That's also supplemented by a smartphone uh, app that provides some of the intervention content in between these um, therapy-based sessions that are provided by a, a therapist. It's a very innovative project, it sounds like. There's a lot of different elements of it, so that sounds like really incredible work. Why is it important to focus on youth that are living in urban settings in your research? Yeah, well, that tends to be the population, as I sort of already spoke about, that is at elevated risk for uh, specifically interpersonal violence outcomes um, with related to firearms. And so that, that population is disproportionately impacted by this problem. And so, you know, and the need to sort of focus on a higher risk population, that's, that's a particular locale. And that often um, results from uh, increased violence in the neighborhood in which they live in, uh, feeling not safe, uh, propelling them to carry a firearm to try and stay safe. But then often that ends up escalating into use of the firearm uh, in risky ways. Um, and so we can do a lot to prevent those behaviors and reduce their potential for harm um, through these types of interventions. And I will just note that um, the intervention was developed with the input 
of youth in the community. So, you know, all of the components of the intervention were tested in sort of pilot phases with with youth from the community in which we're testing it. And then they provided feedback and we tweaked and modified the intervention so that it's really culturally tailored to the youth that are in this setting in this environment. And uh, we know it will will essentially work with, with them based on uh, what they see as their greatest needs. Can you explain why it's necessary to examine firearm violence through the lens of medicine and epidemiology? Sure, I think that um, one of the key reasons to look at it in this context is um, it's a key place where we can intervene with kids. So some youth might not be in school, they might not have a regular primary care provider, but they often end up uh, obtaining medical care through the emergency department. And so it's a place where we can reach kids in that primary prevention way before they have a negative outcome. Um, and also before they get engaged in more severe behaviors that put them at risk to be in the criminal justice system, because that's another place where often they end up intervening with, with the sort of public health system and these types of interventions is once they, they land in the criminal justice system. And we would like to focus way upstream of that uh, and to prevent that negative outcome in the first place. And so, um, so I think that's a really important reason to focus on this population in this place and at that time. Um, it also, an emergency department visit can be a, a teachable moment. It can be an opportunity to intervene when uh, a youth or an adolescent is sort of um, more in tune with what's going on at that moment in terms of their risks and maybe more receptive to these types of interventions actually working. Um, so I think that's why another reason for why it's an important context. And then the third um, component of that is when we look at trying to make these types of interventions sustainable in a long term, if we view it through a medical lens, there's an opportunity to integrate it into their routine care in a way that makes it, that builds these into the into the medical system, and it's a long term sustainable. Um, intervention. And I think about that in a lot of ways. If, if you came in to the emergency department for chest pain and we were, uh, and we evaluated you and you weren't having a heart attack that day, but you were a smoker and you had high blood pressure and you had all these other risk factors, we would address those things as part of your visit. And we would make sure you got that care that you needed. In the same way, if you come into the emergency department for, you know, an abdominal pain or some other reason, but you're actively carrying a firearm, and there are a number of risks related to that, by addressing those risk factors, we're doing sort of the same thing we would do with the person who came in with chest pain, and we're decreasing their potential for those negative outcomes. And so that's, that's the lens through which I think, uh, I think it's necessary to view these types of things. And it's the same lens through which we, we look at motor vehicle crash interventions. If you came into the emergency department for a low-speed motor vehicle crash, but you told me that you were not um, wearing your seatbelt, then it would be appropriate as a medical provider to talk to you about seatbelt safety. Um, similarly, we talk to parents before they send their kids home about how to use car seats safely uh, right after birth. And, and those are interventions that we do in a prevention-based way, in a public health way, uh, which we can do the same with firearm safety. So your work is a part of the University of Michigan's new Institute for Firearm Injury Prevention Research, which brings experts from across the university in a wide array of fields together to advance solutions to decrease firearm injury in the U.S. From your perspective, what is the significance of having a multidisciplinary focus on firearm injury prevention like this at Michigan? Well, I think that 
there's an opportunity when you bring together multiple disciplines and different perspectives to bear on an issue to identify new and innovative solutions to complex problems. And uh, the example I love to, to give is that, you know, in working with a number of people in this realm, uh, I've seen new projects emerge in areas that wouldn't wouldn't have necessarily been traditional. So, for example, a pairing of public health and the arts around the impact of arts installations in an urban environment on violence prevention or urban planning and architecture and the influence that the way we design cities and urban settings can have on preventing violence outcomes. And those types of innovative collaborations only emerge when you have a, a, a singular multidisciplinary institute where people who have different perspectives can be brought together to focus on a, on a complex problem. And that's the kind of thing that I think can happen at a, a university like the University of Michigan, where you just have all of these experts in these different disciplines and who have innovative ideas for how to solve problems and you bring them together and, and they, can, they can collaborate in new ways and, and bring strengths to bear on a, on a complex public health issue like firearm uh, injury prevention. So this is a really broad question, but an important one that I'm going to give you. How can research help end the crisis of firearm injury in the United States? So I think research can really uh, inform the type of, uh, the type of advance, uh, advances that we can take to solve this problem. So for example, you know, I think the, the comparison to car safety is really apt here. So when motor vehicle crash uh, deaths reached peaks in the early 1950s, you know, the United States really invested heavily in understanding what was causing that problem. And it's a multi, it was a multifaceted problem, just like fire injury prevention. And the solutions were around, you know, how do, we, how do we make drivers safer? How do we make cars safer? How do we make roads safer when crashes happen? How do we improve the type of medical care that's provided after the crash? How do we limit the uh, potential for injury uh, after, the, after the incident? And uh, that type of focus in all those different areas um, was really driven by evidence-based research on what works, what doesn't work, and using that data. And then once figuring out what, that, what works, then taking that from you know, a small project to basically a nationwide uh, focus on that. And some of that's around you know, individual level things that we can do, things that we can do in our community, things that we can do at a policy level or a law level. Um, it really focuses across that entire breadth of basically intervention and, and research. And, and you only get that by, by focusing on it in a data-driven way. And you want to know what works because we've seen other fields where um, when you advance solutions just based on what people think might work, but don't actually test it in a rigorous way, we've found out, you know, years later that that was, you know, detrimental in some way, and we don't, we don't want to have that type of outcome here. So really upfront focusing on it in a research-driven, data-driven way with scholarship um, that only uh, places like public health universities can do, I think, um, will really achieve leaps and bounds in the same way as we did for motor vehicle crash injury prevention. As we observe National Gun Violence Awareness Day on June 4th, what do you think is an important area to emphasize about firearm injury prevention as a part of this larger national conversation? I think it's about um, how do we focus on testing solutions in data-driven ways 
that allow us to figure out what works in this area? How do we bring together multidisciplinary collaborations uh, to focus on this issue? And I think when we do that, we will move the conversation from one that is been traditionally highly politicized to one that's really focused on, you know, what are our common goals? Our common goals are around decreasing injury and death. And how do we achieve that? We can achieve that with these things that we know work because we've shown them to work in our research and our scholarship. Thank you so much for joining Michigan Minds for this special series. Learn more information at firearminjury.umich.edu. Thank you for listening to the Michigan Minds podcast a production of the University of Michigan. Join the conversation on social media with hashtag UMichImpact.